It's Wednesday night, and I'm going to talk to you about something I've been talking to you, and I do not believe I've exhausted by any means. When I get exhaustive on a subject, I have to study it in depth constantly. And when I'm in talking about baptism, I'm talking about everything that's cleansing in our lives. You cannot be talking about baptism without talking about the Holy Spirit. We do not believe that baptism is dipping people in water or sprinkling water on them. We believe that baptize is what the original writers tell us it was. It was originally an infinitive. You say, what does infinitive mean? Infinitive comes from the word infinite. This will show you why it has to be a noun and not a verb. It was originally a verbal noun. And it comes from the word infinite. When you go out and look to the sky or you look in some area of life and you say that is infinite what you're saying it never ends that's what you're saying to be finite means to be have a beginning and end that's finite infinite means no means no ending infinite finite means it has an end you say, well, man is just finite. He only knows so much. And we keep learning. Infinite means it goes on forever. That's very important. Because when you look at, I'm going to go back to a verse I've shown you. And you have to think of a lot of things in this. When you get into Acts 10, When I'm teaching, you've got to think. When I teach, I'm teaching you this is connected to this, connected to this, connected to this, connected to this, connected to this. And it goes all the way through the scriptures. All these things are connected. You can't study baptism without studying proselyte baptism. And I don't know of anybody, I'm the only person that I know of that has taught on what the proselytes, what the Pharisees taught the proselytes to believe. I have never heard anyone. I didn't get my information on the proselytes. I got it out of things like McClinic and Strong. The proselytes were converts. They were converts from Gentile paganism to being a part of the Jewish community and having citizenship in Israel. That's why Paul said, you were aliens from the commonwealth of Israel in Ephesians, the second chapter. 
talking to the Ephesians, a Gentile church. You were aliens from the commonwealth, P-O-L-I-T-E-I-A. Politeia, we got our word politic from that. It means the community of Israel, the people. It comes from polis, which means people. We say metropolis, M-E-T-R-O. Metropolis means mother. That's the Greek word, meter. Polis, mother of the people. That's what a city is called. The mother of the people. Nashville is the mother of the people of Tennessee or of Nashville. Now, what does this mean? Infinite. An infinitive shows an action of a substance from an outer source coming upon a person, an event, uh, a, a noun, someone, a person, place, or thing. It shows the... It shows the uh, action proceeds from outside the person. Action. That's why when you look up baptize, even in Strong's exhaustive concordance, it will tell you in Strong's baptizo. And it will not say if it says to immerse, that's something they put in these late model Strong's that Mr. Strong did not put his approval on. He lived back 150, 200 years ago, and he correlated Strong's concordance, and they've got abridged. I've got one over here somebody gave me. I don't like it, and I want to point it out to you. It's exhaustive Strong's, and I won't use this. Because they change some of the definitions of the words. Expanded exhaustive concordance. Don't get one of them. They've got things in it you don't want. They have immersed in there for baptizo. Don't like that. They added things that they thought was necessary to make it more clear to the Christians in America. Don't believe it. Mr. Strong, I don't believe he would approve of this at all. Baptizo will say to cover. Now, when we're in bed at night, me and Mary, and I say, Mary, I, I'm cold. Cover me up with that cover, especially when I had this heart attack and I couldn't get up. She'd get up and pull the cover over me. She didn't dip me into the cover. She didn't sprinkle the cover over me. She covered me. The action shows there's a covering. That's just like the word epi. It has the idea of epi. When Peter said, and he was at, he was at Pentecost in Acts 2, in verse 38, the boy of the church of Christ loved this, where he says, they said, men and brethren, what shall we do? They were cut to the heart. And Peter said, repent. And that's an imperative mood. That's a command. 
That's words from Christ. And everyone, the 3,000 that converted that day, you say, boy, that's a lot of people converted. Not compared to the number of people that were there. The writers of the compendia tell us they were probably maybe 12 million people at that Pentecost. Men had to come from all over the world. All of the Jews came from all over the world according to Exodus, the 23rd chapter, and several other places. And these were Jews from every nation under heaven, and they couldn't even speak each other's language. And if you went outside the city of Jerusalem and looked as far as you could see, you'd see tents as far as you could see. They said if you were... It was the custom of the Jews to keep your doors of your house open during these three festivals, Passover, Pentecost, Passover in Nisan, March, April, Pentecost 50 days later, and then up here in, in uh, the seventh month, this was the first month of their ecclesiastical year, and the seventh month was the Feast of Ingathering, the Feast of Tabernacles, which is the same thing, the Feast of Huts, which is another word for that, and the Day of Atonement. And all these men had to come. So 3,000, let's just put it this way, 3,000 over 12 million. Let's see what we can do here. And it would be 3, 3 would be 1, 3 and 12, 4,000. One in 4,000 people was believing. One out of every 4,000 was believing. That's not many. One four-thousandth, whatever that figure is. All right. Now. So, they said, men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. When he said, be baptized, every one of you, in the name, that has the basic same meaning as to cover me with cover. When I had that heart attack and I couldn't get up and walk around. And it means to cover. It's the word epi. That word in is epi. It means on the top or to superimpose a covering. Superimpose means to lay something on top. So it means to cover with the name. Name is the word onoma. Do you actually believe that, that Peter was saying, get dipped in water? No. Especially, this is 50 days. Passover comes 50 days after they had killed Jesus. And the reason they killed Jesus is because they hated him. They hated Jesus. So they killed him for blasphemy. The Pharisees did this. They were running the show in Jerusalem. So do you believe that they're going to turn over their waterworks 50 days later for Peter to dip people in their public waterworks or he's going to walk the people 20 miles, 15, 20 miles up here to the Jordan River so he can dip them all in water? He's not saying that. Especially... When Jesus rose from the dead three days after he was crucified, comes to them and says, Go into all the world, teach all nations, baptizing them in. 
And that word in is E-I-S. It means to sink into. It doesn't mean to come out of. It has the basic same meaning as in duo. In duo is what this is a word that's used constantly. Put on the new man. Put on. Put on. In duo means to sink into clothing. Sink into clothing. Or as many of you have been baptized into Christ, Galatians 3.27, have put on Christ. The blood baptism is so important. When Jesus, when Jesus, let me say it again. Please forgive me for repeating myself. This is one of the most important things about baptism you can remember. If John the Baptist says in Matthew, the third chapter, that I baptize with water, John wasn't preaching water baptism. The Bible says he was preaching the baptism of repentance. When you look up of repentance, every time it's mentioned, of repentance, metanoia, of repentance is genitive case. You say, I don't understand that, that, Jim. I've told you before, you have masculine, feminine, neuter, gender. Masculine, feminine, neuter, gender. In the feminine, in the singular, and in the plural. And you have the cases for a word, nominative, genitive, dative, and accusative case. We're not going to talk about nominative and accusative and dative. We're going to talk about genitive. It means possessive. It means that true baptism contains repentance. That's what it means. Baptism is of repentance. Of repentance. If Jim Brown is of Hendersonville, he's of Hendersonville in some manner. Hendersonville owns me and possesses me in some fashion. It possesses me because I live here and I preach here. So repentance, metanoia, true baptism is when you are repenting. The Bible says baptism repentance is what John preached, which is prepare. John came preaching the baptism repentance, which was written in the prophets, particularly in Isaiah 40 and 3. Baptism repentance is prepare ye the way, the way, 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 way. Can I, can I emphasize that enough? The way is the word hodos. So true baptism has to do with hodos. Hodos is what Jesus said was the narrow way. Narrow way in, in Matthew 7, 13. You can put 14 with that because that's the broad way. 
Broadway means that's where you can live the way you want to. Why do you think they call all the sleazy parts of town in every major city in the country Broadway? We got a Broadway down here in Nashville. It's got bars and people stand out front with the guitars hoping to be discovered and drunks staggering around everywhere and prostitutes down the street and drug dealers all over the place and people go down there and come to Nashville to walk down Broadway and watch all the circus. You got the same thing in New York. I lived in Denver, Colorado. You got a Broadway downtown Denver and it has all their sleeves down there. Why do you think they call it Broadway? Broad is the way that leads to destruction and many go in there at. Only few are in the narrow way and the narrow way is the baptism of Luke 3 and verses 3 and 4. John came preaching the baptism of repentance. True baptism belongs to repenting. Repent, metanoia, means to be turned and think differently. Do you think being dipped in water makes you turn your thinking around? No way. You don't, you just get dipped in water and say, thank God I get, got baptized in the Baptist church in the church of Christ. It didn't do nothing for your thinking. I was dipped in water about seven or eight times. I don't remember how many. My father would dip me in water and Cal Sims dipped me in water and David Kevin dipped me in water and I don't know if anybody else, I can't even remember. And every time I'd get dipped in water, I just felt silly and stupid. I felt wet. And people said, I just felt like a new person. Well, you did something I didn't do. I just felt ridiculous. I'm walking around soaking wet. It doesn't have anything to do with anything. <clears throat> Baptize means... Here's the thing about the infinitive. Whenever you have an infinitive in English, it's always preceded by to be. That's why it's infinite, because an infinitive is the condition of a thing or person after an action has been taken upon it, and it's infinite. Are you permanently wet do you just have somebody walking around after you with a spray can spraying you all the time with water so you won't get unwet? If you baptize means to be covered. It does, that's why this word epi in Acts 2.38 goes with that. Acts 2.38. That's a Church of Christ verse. Repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name, in epi, superimposing the name. I've said this so many times, you've got three words for in. You have ice or ease, however you want to pronounce it. In Matthew, the 28th chapter, the Great Commission, Jesus commanded them to go into all the world. Matthew 28, 18 and 19. But if you're going to give Matthew 28, that's after he's resurrected from the dead. Why don't we look at Luke's version of baptism? Where's his version of the Great Commission? The, his version of the Great Commission is in Mark. 
the 16th chapter. I am persuaded. Here's the most important thing before I go to Mark 16. This is the most important thing in here. I got to remember 2B is permanent. I'm writing myself a note. It's infinite. And people, preachers, you want to deny that that's true? You look up baptized, it'll say baptizo, and it comes from, and it'll give you a number. When you look up that number, it'll say bapto. This really puzzled me before I understood baptism. The first time I ever looked up baptized, in a concordance it says baptizo to cover, and it comes from bapto. And it will say in your concordance, to stain or die. And when you go into McClinic and Strong, it'll tell you it was a dyer's term that women used to stain and dye clothing. Or is that clothing stained and dyed with the blood of Christ? You got the seventh chapter of Revelation in Revelation, and the angel comes to John. John sees all these people arrayed in white robes, and John said, that's their clothing. And he says, the angel says, who are these, John? John says, I don't know, you know. He said, these are those who made their robes white, their robes, their clothing white, in the blood of Christ. It's their clothing. Baptism is our clothing. He's washed our robes and made them white in the blood. That's the clothing we're in. A blood baptism. Look up blood. Look up blood. And McClinic and Strong, at the end of the article, say blood baptism means it's a martyrdom. It's a death. When Jesus asked James and John, I've said this before, but let me add something to it. In Mark, the 10th chapter, he says, Can you be baptized with a baptism I'm baptized with? That was the day before he died. Is he saying, are you able to be dipped in water like I was dipped in water three years ago? Why would he ask them, could they be dipped in water? He was talking about his death the next day. The only way one of them would say, no, I can't be dipped in water. There are certain people in the world, one out of so many million, that they can't touch water. Have you ever read any articles on that? You can go online and look that up. I've read an article in a magazine said this little girl could not be touched with water. Therefore, she had to go to hell when she died. <laughs> they didn't say that. <laughs> if she couldn't be baptized in water, according to the Church of Christ, she'd have to go to hell. It's ridiculous. What if you lived out in a desert and you're an Arabian and you begin to believe Christ and you're 500 miles away from running water? All you can do is drill down in a... a some well and pull water up. And what you going to do if you believe in immersion then? It's not even available. Do I believe in that? I don't believe in that. What made me question baptism, what's made me study it like a crazy man for the last 40 years, was the fact I was dipped in water and it didn't do nothing for me. In fact, if you need a water baptism, I'll give you one of mine, okay? That's all I know to do. <laughs> I'll give them away as fast as I can. All right. Now, 
let's go where I was going to go, and then I'll come back to this. What I was going to go with earlier, and why it has to be blood. Go over here to Acts 10. Now, Peter, it, there's a word in the Old Testament that is equivalent to the New Testament word baptizo or baptize. Can you think of what the word in the Old Testament is? What would be a word meaning to cover with a stain or dye in the Old Testament? Pitch. Well, yes, pitch, but I'm thinking of a common word throughout the Old Testament. The word reconciliation is the same basic word. Atonement. Atonement. What did they do on the Day of Atonement in the 16th chapter of Leviticus? 16th chapter of Leviticus. On the Day of Atonement, they would kill a goat, not a lamb, but a goat, on this altar. They had the, they had the, the uh, brazen sea. They had the Ark of the Covenant inside the Holy of Holies. The high priest would kill this goat after they killed a bullock and cleansed the, cleansed the outer sanctuary and cleansed the inner sanctuary. They'd kill the bullock and the priest would come in here. We don't know how he went in. He would go inside that veil. Now he had to do everything perfect. If he didn't, God struck him dead on the spot. Said, you're dead. Now, okay, one of the sons of Aaron, who's next? Well, I wouldn't want to be in that spot, would you? <laughs> Whew. What did he do wrong? I'm not going to tell you. I'll just kill you if you do it wrong. If you don't go by my instructions, some say they would tie a rope to the high priest's leg in case he sinned, they could drag him out and he was dead. Would God kill those people? Oh, yeah. He killed two of the sons of Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, because they offered strange fire. And we don't even know what that was. Could have been, he could have offered the wrong mixture on the altar of incense. Right here. It was an exact formula. It was, we know that it had frankincense in it. Frankincense was a white powder Lebanon and it comes from the same we get another word Lebanon L-E-B-A-N-A-H which is the word moon I believe it's because it's white and the moon worshippers were between the Black Sea and the Caspian Sea and that's where the Caucasians or the white people live I, I believe I have a theory on that. I believe that's why they're called white people. Now, because ain't none of us white. I'm not white. My hands are pink. Nobody out there is white. We don't have any. Well, you're, you're dark brown or brownish, but I'm not white. That's pink. You're kind of tan. He's tan. Some of you got pink in you. Oh, you got a little bit of white on the back of your arm there, John. <laughs> on the back of his arm. All right. And they would come in here, 
and they would sprinkle the blood of the goat. Why a goat? The Bible says God hath made him to be sin for us. God made him a goat in our place. That was what was offered in Leviticus 16. On the day of atonement was the blood of a goat. He came in here and he sprinkled or he he sprinkled the Ark of the Covenant with the blood of the goat seven times. How many times was was Naaman told to dip in the Jordan River? Seven times. Seven is the number of perfection. Seven is the word Sheba. In the Hebrew, it comes from Shabua. Shabua means to take an oath to God. You can't take an oath to God just because you walk down an aisle and say, I want to accept Christ and start living for Jesus. You've got to go through trials. You've got to go through trials in order to be sevened. The Bible says, besides all this, give all diligence, add to your faith, and name seven things. First thing on the list is virtue. It means to be mature. How long does it take you to become spiritually mature? 30 years? 40 years? 50 years? It says to add knowledge. Add knowledge. What is, how do you add knowledge? You study for 40 years. I've been studying for 63 years. Had some bad years when I was young, and I hadn't been sevened yet. But God sevened me by now. I'll be 80 here in a couple of weeks. If you're not sevened by the time you're 80 and you've been studying this long, you're a fool. That's what you are. You haven't listened. Experience is the best teacher, but you've got to listen to the teacher. You can't just be stubborn all your life and arrogant. And, think of it. and you can't say, I think I got it together and I'm 40 years old. No, you haven't. You haven't got it together at 50. You know when you get it together? When you've been through so much fire. You drop your head and you say, Lord, forgive me. I, I can't seem to get it together. When you start owning up to the fact that you can't get it together, that's when you're starting to get it together because you're really relying on Him to fight your fight. You stop fighting. You start trying to tell everybody when they need to change their ways. I was telling some of you before I started church tonight, I witnessed to everybody. But the way I witness, I don't say, do you know your Savior? Where are you going to go when you die? That's not witnessing. That's being a tyrant and a bully. I just go in and say, hey, I just talk to people. Just talk. Learn a lot of Greek words. I pay real close attention to what I'm saying, if somebody's listening or not. I've been having physical therapy due to that psychiatric, psychiatric, <laughs> during that physic nerve that I had that got messed up in my disc. And uh, I notice when I say something, I'm talking to a Jewish guy. He's the guy that's treating me. He's a doctor in physiology. And... Uh, I notice when I'll say something, he's not real interested, but I'll just give him something once in a while, just something once in a while. And he's a, he's a Jew. He, Weinstein is his name. I knew he was a Jew. I said, you're from 
Jewish background. He said, yeah. I said, I've been teaching on the history of the Jews for all my life. I've been studying their history. And I'll say a little something to him and leave it alone. And I'll say, I'll tell you about why this is going on overseas and why they're fighting over the land, how God gave it to gave it to Israel back there. And uh, he gave it to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And from Genesis 17 up to Genesis 20, I'll tell you all about it and why they're scattered. And I'll just leave it at that. And then I'll just say real gentle things to them. If I met one of my doctors, I'd say, Doc, let me ask you a question. I do it just casually like this. You can't force somebody to believe God. But if you casually talk to them about the Bible, if what you're casually talking to them about in Scripture, when I say casual, I mean not being just sharp and abrasive. Just say, hey, Doc, let me ask you a question. Every one of them say, yeah, what is it? I said, did you know that it was against the law to celebrate Christmas 300 years ago in America? Most every time they'll say, I didn't know that. I said, would you like for me to tell you something about it? Some of them will say, well, yeah, go ahead. Some will say, well, not right now. So I just back away and leave them alone. Just talking to people is the way to witness. Take what you know and don't come down like, well, this is the truth. That's not the way to talk to anybody. If they're elect, they can't keep from listening and hearing. And if they're not elect, you won't convince them in a thousand years. So why not just talk to them? You understand what I'm saying? Just say what you've learned here. That's all. And leave your temperament out of it. Elect will hear. They have ears to hear. Don't they? Now, where was I? Let's look at these. An infinitive means it is forever. Is our blood baptism permanent? Or can we lose it? No, no. God appoints it. He's the one that sprinkles our hearts just like this Ark of the Covenant was sprinkled. Our hearts are sprinkled. And that's equivalent when the Bible speaks of writing up on fleshy tables of our hearts there in Second Corinthians. Sprinkling the Ark of the Covenant inside the Ark of the Covenant was tables of stone upon which was written the law of God. God gave, gave Moses his law written on tables of stone. The Bible says in, in 2 Corinthians, the third chapter, he's written upon fleshy tables of our hearts instead of on tables of stone. Where is that he's written on tables of stone? Several places in the Old Testament. Particularly, I always take you to Deuteronomy 9, where he wrote upon fleshy, wrote upon tables of stone. So when one of these were blot, when the handwriting of orders is blotted out, it's either the one that was written on tables of stone, the one that was written upon our heart, one of the two. He's not going to blot out what he wrote on our hearts. So that's equivalent to sprinkling the Ark of the Covenant. When the Bible says in the fifth chapter of Romans that the love of God was shed abroad in our hearts, equate that with the sprinkling of the sprinkling of the to sprinkle means to come from an outer source outside the ark itself. The ark can't sprinkle itself. It has to be the high priest that comes in and sprinkles. That's equivalent to an infinitive. The force coming from outer. It's equivalent. 
I said you got to disconnect this to this to this to this to this. It's equivalent to staining and dying. They stained and dyed the Ark of the Covenant. You can read about that in Leviticus, the 16th chapter. You can find that all through the Old Testament. Now, I want to emphasize this right here. Peter had gone to the house of Cornelius and preached to them. And then he commands them, verse 44, while Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on them which heard the word. When you see the Holy Ghost fall on somebody, the Pentecostal says that means, whoa, ha, ha, whoopee, praise God. That's not what it means. Holy Ghost and Holy Spirit are the same thing. They're both hagios. I don't know why the translators translated two different words. They're both hagios. Numa. Pure breath. Numa is the word breath. Breath, we have new P-N-E-U-M-O-N-I-A. I've had pneumonia. I've had that. I've had bronchial pneumonia in the hospital with it. It's a breath problem, isn't it, John? It's what it is. Well, he knows about it, and I know about it. So pneuma is breath. Hagios means pure, pure breath. That's the Holy Ghost and the Holy Spirit. The tr whatever the Holy Ghost is, I keep quoting this to you, but I'm going to read it to you. Go over here to John 14. Here's what the Holy Ghost is. I need to be more specific about this. Verse, chapter 14, verse 15. If you love me, agape. Gosh. If you agape me, what is agape? Second John 6. You can't agape God without keeping his commandments. Agape is... This is agape. This is agape. That we walk after his commandments. That's what agape is. So everywhere you find agape, you can substitute walking in the commandments of God. But it says, keep my commandments. If you really walk it in my commandments, you can't change them. That word keep, tereo, means don't change them. Keep them, guard them against loss. They're written in your heart, and you can say this. I'll fight for God's word with my life to the death, but I will not change it, whether I can do it or not. But if you love me, you have to walk in them, and you have to be keeping them, guarding them against loss. It don't mean hang some Ten Commandments made out of stone in your office building. Ain't nobody reading them anyway. If it's not in their hearts, who's going to read them? 
If you don't believe in the commandments being some government building, you think those government workers are reading the commandments of God if it's not written in their heart? Does it, have you ever seen anybody stop in front of all the plaques? Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal. Gosh, I'm sure glad I'm under heavy conviction here. I ain't never seen that in my life. They'll fight for them, but they won't read them. If they're written in your heart, you've got to keep them. Now, let's read on here. I will pray the Father, and he will give you another comforter. Comforter is the word parakletos, or parakletes, P-A-R-A-K-L-E-T-E-S. Parakletes or parakletos, forms of the same word. Para, para, kaleo. It means to, means to call kaleo near. The word comfort is the word para, kaleo. It means to call near, but you don't comfort people who you comfort only the believer. You go down, you don't go in here and hear to some club in uh, Nashville on Dickerson Road. There used to be the Starlight Club down there. Starlight Club, a uh, big bashing club. Drunks are out there on the, on the driveway and say, come here and hug me, dear. Uh, and you got a hold of somebody else's wife. I want to comfort you. No, that's not what you're doing. You don't do that in a club. You do that to people who are mourning over sin. And our comfort is the comforter, and that's the word of God. Then he says, he'll send the comforter that he may abide with you forever, even, even, that is to say, the comforter is the spirit of truth. That's the pneuma of truth. The pneuma of truth. Our comfort is truth. So the Holy Spirit, if you have the Holy Spirit, he that hath not the Spirit is none of his. Holy Spirit, comforter is A-L-E-T-H-E-I-A. That's the word truth. comes from Lanthano. And the alpha privative negates the word as a negative particle. It negates lanthano, meaning to hide or conceal. Conceal. It means not to hide anything. Take the cover off, tell, them what, tell people what the words mean. That is the truth. That's our Holy Spirit that's with us. It's the comforter. I keep telling people this. When Jesus said in John the 8th chapter, that the Spirit will guide you into truth and the truth will make you free. I've never been so free in my life. I've got more people angry at me. But what I do is tell truth all the time to everybody, just wherever I go. Some may ask me, and I'll say, well, here's the truth. Or if I can comment about the truth, I don't argue with people. I lay it out there, the sheep will eat the sheep food. You don't have to let out there with your animosity and your anger. It's a waste of time. 
You're just looking for sheep, and you're saying, hey, are you sheep? Here, here's some food. They turn their nose up and walk away, leave them alone. They don't want it. Goats are not hungry for sheep food. Goats eat cans, eat all kinds of straw. Had a guy that used to come here said he carried a goat in his car one time and said when they got to where they was going, he'd completely eaten out the back seat of the car, just chewed it all to pieces, the straw in there, and was swallowing it. That's what goats are. They don't eat a shepherd. They don't eat sheep food. They won't eat sheep food. Why are you getting mad at them? Besides that, maybe they're contrary today and they're acting like a goat, but they're not, and they're a rebellious sheep. Leave it alone until they get hungry. Because only God can make them hungry and empty them out and make them poor in spirit where they're hungry for truth. We don't need to jump people's case out there. Jesus didn't. He's very gentle <laughs> to everybody. When he said something, he said to the Pharisees, you compass and land to make one proselyte. After he's made, you make him two, twofold more the child of hell than yourselves. You're a bunch of whited sepulchres full of dead men's bones. He said things to him that made him mad. I don't know that he was loud. It's times I've said he was, but he may not have been. Just said it. The truth will hurt people bad. So he says, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, they can't receive the truth. It's not in their heart to receive it. Because it seeth him not, they don't have eyes to see and ears to hear, neither knoweth him, but ye shall know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you, Christ in you, the hope of glory. I will not leave you comfortless, I will comfort you. That word comfortless is the word orphanos, O-R-P-H-A-N-O-S. That's the word comfortless, orphanos. Means an orphan, one without a parent or father. When you visit the fatherless and the widow in their affliction, James one and twenty seven, that word fatherless is the same word. Visit the orphans and you will become a father to them. Now, look over here in the fifteenth chapter, verse twenty five. But this cometh to pass that the word might be fulfilled that is written in their law, that hating me without a cause, this is Jesus talking, but when the comforter is come, that's Parakletos, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even, that is to say, even means, that is to say, the spirit of truth. You can say comforter, comforter, equals spirit which is the truth of truth it's the spirit of taking the cover off just say it to people you don't have to get emotional i talk to people all the time i wish i'd have known this when i was young it makes you free we don't have a baptist way of thinking when they approach somebody to witness to them this is in their minds somewhere in their conversation they got to get that guy's arm up behind his back and say, do you know where you're going to and when you die? You think you're going to heaven or hell? Would you like to pray this prayer and repeat it after me? And that's something that people don't want to do. And it's something that the guy that's witnessing don't want to do. Get the arm behind the back. Say the sinner's prayer. 
It makes it puts a stress on people. Nothing stresses me out. I just say the truth to people. I know if they belong to God, he'll cut into their heart. Maybe not today. Maybe someday they'll remember what I said to them. He's talking about the spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, and he shall testify of me. The Holy Spirit will testify of me, Jesus said. The Pentecostals say, do you have the Holy Ghost? I got the Holy Ghost. It's not what the, that's not what the Spirit does. The Holy Spirit will talk about Jesus. It won't talk about himself. There in John 7, the Bible says, He that speaketh of himself seeketh his own glory. The Holy Spirit doesn't talk of himself. He speaks of Jesus. And the Holy Spirit is in us. How does the Holy Spirit talk? Look over here in chapter 16. Abiet when he, the spirit of truth is come. He will guide you into all truth. He'll show you what baptism is. He'll tell you that tongues are dialectos and glossa. He'll tell you baptism means to cover with a stain or die. And they'll tell you that blood baptism was a death. It was a martyrdom in the first century. I didn't say that. Mr. Strong said it and there are dozens of other, other scholars say it. For he shall not speak of himself. The Holy Spirit say, I got, will not say, I got the Holy Ghost. Do you have the Holy Ghost? You've heard Pentecostals say that, haven't you? Huh? Has anybody heard him say that? Nobody's heard him say that? Nope. Well, that's what Pentecostals say. I got the Holy Ghost. Do you have the Holy Ghost? You got to speak in tongues. I have the Holy Ghost. He won't speak it of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear. Now, how's the Holy Ghost going to hear? He's in you. He's in us. And the hearing ear is in us. What is the hearing ear? It is the Holy Spirit in us. So when whatever he hears, that shall he speak. He hears in us, and it comes out of our mouths. That's how it comes. And he will show you things to come. Now, look at John 17, the next chapter. John 17. Jesus speaking of the apostles, verse 17. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. So therefore, the Holy Spirit equals truth, equals the Word of God. And if we're baptized with the Spirit, with the Holy Spirit, we're baptized with truth, we take the cover off, take off cover, and we baptize with the Word of God, don't we? Now what we do? We just give people the Word, but we don't give them conviction. Don't say, well, why not? Oh, this is the truth, and predestination is true. For whom he did for, no, he also did predestinate. He be conformed to the image of some. You got that? You don't talk to people like that. First of all, if they are elect, they're not going to listen to a smart addict, so don't talk to them like that. We've had a lot of people here that did that. 
And I must confess, years ago, I did some of that myself. If you get old enough, you'll learn. You don't convince the elect. They've always been the elect of God. Always. From the foundation of the world. They're out there. Paul's told, Paul said, I have many people here at Corinth in that 18th chapter of Acts. And he said, I've got many people and they will hear when you preach to them, Paul. He had many people that were his from the foundation of the world that they hadn't heard the word yet and hadn't believed yet. If you don't have to convince somebody by twisting their arm behind their back to press sinner's prayer to accept Christ, it makes life a lot easier. That's the truth that will set you free. Don't fight people. Just talk to them as long as you can. And I try to leave them with a question in their mind, just with a little question mark there, maybe an exclamation point. Get, I try to give them something that will challenge them. We were over there at the physiologist last week, and a guy was 80 or 90 years old, something like that. Mary was trying to talk to him. He kept saying, there's only one church. Well, you know who says that? If ever around somebody, there's only one church, and he'd inject that. There's only one church. The Church of Christ say that all the time. I mean, he's going to tell you you've got to be dipped in water to be saved. Do you have to be baptized to be saved? Absolutely you do, but not in water and blood. He washes away our sins with his own blood. A blood baptism is something that comes from this outer source, comes upon our life, and we want to die daily. Sometimes you've got a lot of that outer man in there that hinders you, and the outer man is the flesh, and the inner man is Christ in you. He's got to take over your body, but it takes years for him to put you through enough fire and trials and tribulation in order to, for you to want to give up self and do what I'm saying here. It's too bad young people don't know enough about the Word of God to want to give up self. If you, The sooner you can give up self, the less you argue and fight with the world because you're just giving the truth that it wants to say, well, they're either goats or they're rebellious sheep. I'll come back around, maybe say something to them later. If they never believe, you don't have anything to do with it. If they never believed, they were vessels of wrath from the beginning. All right. Now, let's go back over to Acts. Acts, that uh, where we were, 10th chapter. All right, now 10th chapter, now they were at the house of Cornelius. Cornelius was a Gentile. He was of the Italian band in the first part of this chapter. And the Holy Ghost fell on all them that heard the word, that heard the word. What is the word? The truth. What is the truth? The Holy Spirit. They were baptized with the Holy Spirit here. They weren't baptized with water. And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished as many as came with Peter because on the Gentiles was also poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost or the truth or the Word of God. 
This is the first place that Gentiles directly heard from one of the mouths of the apostles the truth. Peter says that in the 15th chapter when he comes back to Jerusalem. He said it was by my mouth that the Gentiles first heard the, the preaching of the gospel. For they heard them speak with glossa. Glossa is foreign languages. Why would they speak with foreign languages? They were Italians, and Peter only knew some dialect of the Koine in northern Israel. They heard them speak in their languages. Can any forbid water that they should not be baptized? I'm sorry it doesn't say that. It says not the water forbid. You've got to keep remembering. Peter says, let's don't go dipping these people in water because they believed, the Gentiles believed before they believed before Jesus was nailed to the cross if they wanted to become a member of the kingdom of God which is a term for Israel. Now, this is where people get confused. This was a Pharisee law. It was called a halakha. When Israel was carried away into captivity in 586 B.C., they were carried over to Babylon. They started the they started the the synagogue in Babylon. Synagogue is not spiritual. It's a twisting of the word of God. They said we got to translate the word of God over to this Aramaic. And they said most men are not able to understand that. So they called themselves rabbis or masters. They had a head rabbi. And they had a group of men translating this. The translation was called the Targum. And these men translating it, they said, well, they had a verbal law. And they had a written law. They said the written law could not be spoken aloud. And the verbal law could not be written down. But somehow it came together into the Mishnah later on. And God evidently changed his mind. But he never changes his mind. So they got to where they write them down. And later on it became the Talmud. Which is so much garbage. And in this verbal law. One of the laws was. If you, if you, were, a, if, if you were a Gentile and you wanted to be a proselyte in Israel, become a member of the kingdom of God, you had to be washed in water. First of all, they said you had to be circumcised. And then washed in water that they called a new birth. And then they had to offer two, two turtle doves. If y'all got all this down, you've got more than I've got solid. I, I like to have this solid in my mind. This is what Peter says. We're going to forbid that this happens. 
Because he says, Peter says, in Acts the 15th chapter, we're not going to saddle these people with circumcision anymore. That's out. We're not going to saddle these people with washing and water right here. It says, not the water forbid. Let me show you what he's talking about. Forbid is an infinity. It's like building a wall up. He's saying, not the water, not. Stop. And he says, not the circumcision in the 15th chapter. Stop. Stop this, this proselyte process. If you don't stop it, they'll get confused. And if forbid is an infinitive, it's infinite. It means stop it permanently. No more water. That's what he's saying. Can you see that? It's infinite. If somebody says, boy, his knowledge of science is infinite. It's not actually infinite. It seems infinite compared to what everybody else knows. Look at space and it's infinite. We don't know if there's an ending out there or not. It looks infinite to us. It looks never ending. That's what infinite means. So not the water. Forbid it. They might as well put the word not the water. D-A-M. A dam is what you stop water with. Not the water. Dam. Stop it. Not D-A-M-N. But D-A-M. Dam up the water for the for the fair, for the Gentiles coming into the kingdom. And then he says it right here in the next verse. And he commanded them to be baptized. I said this before. That's the best way to show an infinitive to be. Let me say this real slow. The blood's coming from an outer source. It is an, it's the condition, an infinitive is the condition after an action is taken upon the subject. To be means to exist. What he is saying to be baptized is an infinitive. It means when this blood comes upon them, they're going to be continually washed in the blood and it will never go away. It will be infinite for yours. The blood will be yours from here through eternity. Now, if, you, if I said the born is to be painted, to be painted to be painted is the condition of the barn after you put the paint on it the difference between the barn being painted and the blood the blood of Christ is, an, is a true infinity it will never come off the barn may wear but it's still going to have old worn out paint on it but to be baptized means the baptism will be from now on being an infinitive. 
You guys out there that's, that dips people in water, you need to pay attention to this. Now, go back over here to, to Mark, the 16th chapter. We haven't covered this like we should. Mark 16. I want to show you something you've got to learn to do. If you're going to talk about the Great Commission in the 28th chapter of Matthew, you've got to talk about the Great Commission in the 16th chapter of Mark. You need to look at both of them to see what they're saying. Now, over here in the 28th chapter of Matthew, here's what Matthew says. This is what Jesus says. Remember, I started to tell you earlier what the most important thing about this is to remember, besides being an infinitive. What gets me is all the scholars, he'll tell you, Mr. Strong will tell you here under baptism, it's a verbal noun, not implying motion. If an action is taken upon you and somebody throws red paint on you, did you have anything to do with it? No. If Jesus baptized you with the Holy Spirit or with blood, did you have anything to do with it? Did he come along one day and pour literal blood on you? This is a figure of speech. A blood baptism was a death. It was a martyrdom. If there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism in Ephesians 4 and 5, it all depends on when Paul said that. Paul said there's one baptism when he wrote this book. One baptism. And he wrote this book somewhere around 50 to 55 A.D. Well, when Jesus was nailed to the cross, in 33 A.D., he blotted out all the rituals, blotting out the handwriting of orchards, two handwritings, one on tables of stone, one on fleshy tables with a heart. One of those is blotted out, certainly not the one on fleshy tables of a heart. The one on stone, all the rituals of the Old Testament, when you get to one baptism, Ephesians 4 and 5, all the other washings, including this over here, including the washing of the vegetables and all the ritual washings of the people, that's all blotted out. I'm not going to confuse somebody by dipping them in water or sprinkling water on the top of them. So when there's one baptism, Paul wrote that to the Ephesians somewhere around 50 to 55 A.D., certainly a long time after Jesus died and was nailed to the cross. When you wanted to do away with one contract, you'd take the two contracting parties, you'd take the two witnesses out in public, you'd drive a nail through it, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances, which was contrary to us, took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. You know, I think this is so in-depth, and I hadn't gotten all of it. How much time do I have, Mike? 26. Huh? 26. Maybe I can get to some more of this. Before I go there, let me go back over here to Romans, the 11th chapter. Paul is following up in Romans 11 with what happened, with what happened, not Romans 11, Acts 11. What am I talking about? 
Acts 11, after he goes to the house of Cornelius, he kind of straightens it up with what he says. And Paul relates what happened when he comes back to the other apostles. Look at verse 1 of chapter 11. The apostles and brethren that were in Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God or the Holy Spirit or the blood baptism or the baptism of the Spirit. When Peter was come up to Jerusalem, they that were of the circumcision or Jews contended with him saying, you went in to the men uncircumcised and did eat with them? Well, geez, God told him to. He dropped the sheet out of heaven in the first part of chapter 10. So Peter's answering them. Verse 12, The Spirit bade me go with them, nothing doubting. Moreover, these six brethren accompanied me. We entered the man's house, and he showed us how he had seen an angel in his house. This is Cornelius he's referring to. Which stood and said unto him, Send men to Joppa and call for Simon, whose surname is Peter who shall tell the words whereby thou and all thy house shall be saved. And as, and as I began to speak, the Holy Ghost fell on them as on us at the beginning. Then remembered I the word of the Lord, how that he said, John indeed baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. He equates the Holy Ghost baptism with what happened at the house of Cornelius, not Water. You see that? Now, I was going to say, the infinitive and this are the things most important to remember about this. The infinitive and this Matthew 3. John is baptizing with water, and he says, There comes one after me. He'll baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. Holy Ghost is the truth. And fire is the word per. That was a saying. That was a saying of the Stoics when Zeno, the man who started Stoicism, said, all the universe is called a cosmos, an orderly arrangement. That's the word world in John 3.16. means an orderly arrangement. It is masculine gender in John 3.16. For God in this fashion loved the orderly arrangement. So is an adverb telling how or in what fashion. And he said this, and Zeno said, what gave this great cosmos life was Holy Ghost and fire, or actually uh, Numa and Pur. And Jesus, John the Baptist said, I don't want to talk to you about that Numa and Pur. That gives this cosmos life. To say Holy Ghost and fire was the same thing as to say life. Now Jesus goes through his ministry. This is in the third chapter of Matthew. Holy Ghost and fire. He goes through his ministry. He's crucified. Resurrected. And then he goes to the apostles in Matthew 28. 
gives them the great commission. In Matthew 28, he commands his apostles, go to all the world. All the world. And teach these people. Let's read it here. Matthew 28. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Now you're going to go to all nations. That word nation is the same word as Gentile, ethnos. Same word. This is all flesh, red, yellow, white, black, and brown flesh. He only went to the one flesh over here, the Jews. And then he blinds the eye of the Jews when he comes to Jerusalem. And in Acts 2, he pours out of his spirit, which is truth. We already figured that out. On all flesh, red, yellow, white, black, and brown flesh. So he goes to all flesh, and this is what he's saying to them. Teach all men or all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. You actually think Jesus was saying, go into all the world and baptize with this baptism of John in water. And that baptism I've got that's got Holy Ghost and fire, just kind of ignore that. Just kind of cross that out. And just remember water. When you get into the Acts of the Apostles and you see all these actions of the Apostles and you come to the word baptize. Let me show you something. Didn't he say teaching them to observe all things whatsoever commanded you? Teach them to go into all the world baptizing. Right? Was he saying that to them? Wasn't he telling anybody that heard the apostles, go tell them what I've told you. Isn't that what he's saying? Huh? Somebody say yes or no. He's telling them to whoever you talk to, tell them to do the same thing I'm telling you, baptizing. Right? Go to 1 Corinthians. I said when I started, you got to tie this to this to this to this to this to this. All through the scriptures, the proselyte baptism has to do with this. Being an infinitive has to do with this. A verbal noun. You preachers, I'm ashamed of you. You, you doctors of theology, you're disgusting. You don't believe you have to figure out what these things mean. Study enough books, study enough Greek, enough Hebrew, and you'll find out what it means. Now, where did I say we were going? First Corinthians. Uh, first Corinthians, the first chapter. Didn't Jesus say, teach all nations what I'm telling you to go and baptize, right? All right, first Corinthians, first chapter. I said I can't get through this because there's so much to it. All right. 1 Corinthians, 1st chapter. Paul is talking how the Corinthians are arguing with each other. 
And he says here, verse 12, Now I say that every one of you saith, I am of Paul, and I am of Apollos, and I am of Cephas, which is Peter, and I am of Christ. You're arguing about who you're following. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Oh, you baptized in the name of Paul? These are Corinthians. They weren't, he's not talking about blood baptism. <laughs> they were proselytes. <coughs> then he says, I thank God I baptized none of you but Crispus and Gaius. Did Paul get the same commandments the apostles got? Teach them all to observe everything I've commanded you. Yes. But look what he says. Why would he say, I thank God I baptized none of you with the blood of Christ? He wouldn't say that, would he? <clears throat> Remember, Paul was a Pharisee. He practiced the traditionary law, which was the halakha. He said so. The paradosis. He said, I thank God I baptized none of you but Crispus and Gaius, lest any should say, I baptized, I, it says, I baptized. E-B-A-P-T-I-S. P-I-Z-O. E-baptizo means I baptized, not the Holy Spirit. He's saying, I baptized some of you because I was a Pharisee practicing halakha. Let me show you that. He said, for Christ didn't send me to do this proselyte water baptism. He has to be talking about proselyte. He's talking to the Corinthians, a Gentile nation. Look over here in Philippians. He's talking about his credentials. Philippians. Notice all these things have to tie together. This is why I say I haven't finished this by any means. All right. In chapter 3, he's telling you all about himself. Though I might have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I have got more to glory in the flesh than any of the Jews. I was circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel. On the eighth day, according to Genesis, the 17th chapter, the eighth day is the height of blood clot, where the blood clots easiest the doctors will tell you that that's why God says circumcise your firstborn the eighth day of the tribe of Benjamin and Hebrew of the Hebrews as touching the law I was a Pharisee teaching the traditionary law baptizing people converting them over to Judaism Concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness, which is in the law, blameless. Look at Galatians. Back up to Galatians. Back two books. And look here what he says. Paul was a Pharisee. He says here he was teaching the traditionary law. In Galatians, the first chapter... He says, verse 11, I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. The God, what is the gospel? 
prepare you the way of the Lord, make his path straight. What is the baptism of repentance? Prepare you the way of the Lord, make his path straight. The way is the narrow way. That's the baptism. He says this gospel, which is the baptism, didn't come from men, the Pharisees. And then watch what he says. But neither received I it of man, neither was I taught it by the revelation of Jesus, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. For ye have heard of my conversation, anastrophe, the way I lived in time past in the Jewish religion, how that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and wasted it, killed them, ravaged the church. It says in the 8th chapter, I murdered Christians of Acts. And profit in the Jews' religion above mine equals in mine own nation, being more exceedingly zealous of the traditions of my father. Tradition is the word paradosis. When you look it up, it will say traditionary law of Moses. It means the verbal law. I was into the verbal law of Moses, which is the wrong law. It's the twisting of the law there in Babylon. And he says, I was out baptizing people. And I thank God I didn't baptize any more people in Corinth than I did. It's making it hard for you to get over it. He said, I did the baptizing there. It wasn't God. It wasn't the word of God. It wasn't coming from God. It came from the Pharisees. Can y'all see that? That's what he's saying. Lest any man should say, I baptized in my own name. I baptized also the household of Stephanus. Besides, I know not whether I baptized any other. For Christ sent me not to do this Pharisee baptism. He's talking about that. But to preach the gospel, the gospel is the baptism of repentance, according to Luke 3 and 3. And according to Mark 1, 1 through 3, the gospel is prepare you the way of the Lord. Prepare you the narrow way. Let me put it like that. That's the baptism that John preached. Do I have any time? 11. Let's go over here to Mark the 16th chapter. You notice how all this has to tie together? If you learn this, you'll know something that no preacher in America knows. I don't believe I ever heard anybody talk about it. What I am preaching is very rebellious to the church in America. I'm considered a renegade when I say baptism is not water, it's not sprinkling, it's not immersing, it's blood coming from God. And he baptizes all of his all of his elect, all that the Father giveth me shall come to me. Now look over here in Mark, the 16th chapter. There's, in the NIV, or the Aleph and Baeth, the West Cotton Hort text, they say the last 12 verses of Mark, the 16th chapter, is not in the original text. Of course, they say 6,500 words that are in the Texas Receptus are not in the Aleph and Beth. But the last 12 verses, particularly, 
of Mark 16 are not in. And if you open up an NIV, I got one up here somewhere, usually before these verses that they say is not in their original text, which I don't believe that, they'll have a have something like the next few verses are not or they'll say John uh, seven fifty three through eight eleven is not in the oldest text. In other words, they're canceling out those verses. They say the same thing about these. You know why I believe this is? It says you have to be baptized to be saved. But do you think Jesus you have to balance this text with Matthew 28, where he said, Go into all the world and teach all nations, baptizing them in, sinking into the name. He says here, in verse 14, Afterward he appeared unto the leaven, as they sat at meat, and upbraided them for their unbelief. Aniedzo is the word upbraided. It's the same word as reproach. It means to be infamous. They weren't, they weren't famous with Jesus that day because they denied it when the two women, Mary and the other Mary, came back and told them, He is risen. <laughs> Women's testimony didn't count in a court of law or anything. It had to be a man that said it during the first century. And Jesus is fed up with that. I believe that's why he had two women go over there and, and, and verify his resurrection. And hardness of heart, because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. The two women. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world. Oh, this is the Great Commission also, right? This is Mark's account of Matthew 28. He said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Oh, he said that over in Matthew 28. Every creature means all the Gentiles. I've got an elect family among the Gentiles. He never sent anybody to preach the Gentiles in the old world. He that believeth and is baptized. Do you actually think Jesus is talking about John's water baptism here? No. He that, because baptism is belief. It's faith shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. In the church of Christ or other people say, see, he that believeth not will be damned. He, it's because he's not blood baptized. He that believeth not is not blood baptized. All of the blood baptized. Why would Jesus say that about water? He wouldn't. He that believeth not shall be damned because he's not blood baptized by God, by the Holy Spirit, by the Word of God. And these signs shall follow them that believe. Now he's talking about the gifts of an apostle. The apostles had special gifts. Peter raised Dorcas from the dead. When these people say, I believe tongues are still here. Well, then you've got to believe you can drink strychnine and not affect you. And you can be bitten by a king cobra and you won't die. You won't even swell up because Paul didn't swell up when he's bitten by a Mediterranean viper in the 28th chapter of Acts. His hand didn't swell and those pagans said he must be a god. No, it was the gifts of an apostle. 
And the Bible talks when the gifts of an apostle ceases is when that which is perfect, teleos, the church matures. And that was happening when Paul writes to Philippi, that's a prison epistle, and Epaphroditus came to see Paul, nigh to death. Paul had lost the ability to heal by that time. He would otherwise he'd have laid his hands on, on Epaphroditus and healed him, but he didn't. These signs shall follow them that believe in my name shall they cast out devils. Casting out devils is casting out self. They only do it because they're blood baptizing and preaching the truth to people. And that's if if I buy, if the thing of God casts out devils, and if, if, if I buy the Spirit of God cast out devils, then the kingdom of God is coming to you. What does the Spirit do? He writes upon fleshy tables of our heart and self is cast out. Daemonion, distributing fortunes. What is what are daemonions? I believe it's self, the flesh. And shall speak with new glossa. Why did Peter and James and John and these guys that were fishermen in northern Galilee need to speak in other foreign languages? All they knew, they had a different dialect of the Greek, dialectos, in every city-state where they went, dialect, and they said, how here we ever man in our own dialect where we were born in Acts 2. So they learned dialects. God did this in his head, in their heads. So they go preach to the Gentiles. They were ignorant fishermen from northern Galilee. And all they knew was one or maybe two dialects. And there were dozens and dozens of them where they were told to go into all the world. That died away. We don't need that anymore. We've got the Word of God written in every language of the world. And they shall take up serpents. It don't mean they'll take up serpents and handle them till they get bitten. Maybe they won't die. No, they'll be just like Paul, bitten on the hand. His hand didn't swell up. The pagans said he must be a god. No, that was the gifts of an apostle. Peter raised Dorcas from the dead. If you think you've got tongues, I want to see you raise the dead and drink strychnine and be bitten by a black mamba and not affect you. They could. And say, shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. They didn't say, okay, now everybody come on up here and give us a big offering and we're going to lay hands on you. Be healed. They didn't do that. They just touched somebody. They didn't have to say be healed. They just touched him. They knew who to touch. The Holy Spirit came to them and told them who to touch. I don't believe God healed anybody that was a vessel of wrath fitted to destruction. No one. What's he going to do? Heal a vessel of wrath so he can go out there and kill somebody and rob some people on the way to Jericho? No. Am I out of time? Two minutes. Two minutes. I would go to those places. So this is the same thing that he sang over there in Matthew. This is the Great Commission as recorded in Mark. When he says, go into all the world baptizing, there in Matthew 28, he's not talking about dipping people in water. He's got a baptism of his own. Why would he so say, go baptize with a proselyte baptism? I don't care what preacher or what doctor of theology. I'm looking at the camera. 
You don't have any answer for this. It's kind of like they were not eating crackers and grape juice at the last Passover. They were eating the Passover. It came time to kill the Passover. That was the Passover lamb. There was a lamb there. Plus unleavened bread for seven days, plus bitter herbs, plus four cups, and the third cup was called the cup of blessing. And when they brought it out, the handwriting of ordinances, now there's a spiritual Passover. I, I just don't get it. When the Bible says, 1 Corinthians ten sixteen, the cup of blessing which we bless, Cup of blessing was an official term for the third cup of the Passover. And here, the last Passover was nailed to the cross. The rituals are already nailed to the cross. We're in a spiritual Passover now. Why does he need crackers and grape juice? It's crazy. Well, let's pray. Lord, thank you for truth. I get so frustrated with the preachers of the world. I... I want to come home to be with you. Lord, I pray that you'll give me strength to continue. I pray that you'll fight every battle I have. I don't want to fight no more. I'm tired. I just want to come home to be with you. I am tired. Thank you for your word. Bless the people that watch this. Help them to understand what you're letting me see. I'll praise you in Christ's name for everything. Amen. I hope y'all are getting a hold of this. It's a lot of stuff. If Paul was zealous of the traditions of his fathers, who was that that left? Was that? Oh, Rusty? Okay. Paul was zealous of the of the law of his fathers. He was zealous for the for the traditions. Out tonight. And you know what's pretty cool, Jim? Huh? You know what's pretty cool that I just learned tonight? What? Is how, at least in Mark, off tomorrow. how what? In Mark, it You're foreshadows acts speaking in tongues. Like that's a clue that it's not that craziness. Yeah. That the apostles believe it's, Jesus said they're going to have to speak in other languages. Other languages, yeah. It's just picked right up in Acts 1. Isn't that awesome? Yeah, that is. I mean, Acts 2.